I'm going to read this passage today in Acts chapter 4. I'm going to start in verse 29. I've done this the last couple of weeks, and I don't know. I think it's, I think it's good to do. Uh, in the Old Testament, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, you heard me say this. In the Old Testament, when the priests would read Scripture, would read what we call Scripture, it was their original text of their history. When they would read it, the congregation, the people would stand because they were giving honor to the Word of God superseding every other word that could be written or read. And so I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to read this, but could you stand with me this morning as we read the living, breathing word of God in Acts chapter four? What's going on here is uh, we, we, we saw in Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, hey, I want you to stay. I want you to hang out. And I want you to wait for the gift that I'm going to give you. And in Acts chapter two, the first couple of verses, we see the Holy Spirit, the gift that Jesus promised. We see the Holy Spirit fall upon 120 people waiting in an upper room that are praying. And there's a guy there named Peter. And Peter famously, if you know any of the stories of scripture, he denied Jesus three times. But Peter then, under the power of the Holy Spirit, begins to preach and then in chapter 3, Peter and John, his buddy, another apostle, they leave this moment where Peter preaches and they encounter a guy who's crippled, who's sitting and he's begging and they pray for him and they see this man healed. And in chapter 4, we're seeing the repercussions that the Sadducees, the religious rulers at the time, see that this man has been touched by God and they begin to have some questions for Peter and for John. And this is what is said in verse 29 of chapter 4. It says, And now, O Lord, hear their threats. And give us, your servants, great boldness. Turn to somebody today and say, Be bold. Be bold. And he said, Give us, your servants, great boldness in what? In preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after this prayer, the meeting place shook. And they were all. Now, here's what I want you to know. What all represents. What started with 120 in an upper room praying. Led to 3,000 by the end of chapter 2. And in verse 3, a lot of people watched this beggar get healed, and now the number is at 5,000. 5,000, okay? So it says, and they were all, all 5,000 believers, all of them, not some of them, not the elect few, not the ones who were dressed the right way or lived in the right zip code or, or of the right nationality. It was all. Can you say All. Can you say 5,000? 5, All 5,000 believers were filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they, who are they? All 5,000 believers, listen to this. We gotta catch this family. All 5,000 believers preached the word of God with boldness. Today, uh, I, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna have a talk today 
and I, I named this Get in the Game. Get in the Game. Uh, you can be seated this morning. Can you, can, can you ever remember a time uh, that you uh, backed down from doing something because you felt like you weren't ready or maybe you were nervous, you felt a little timid? Uh, maybe, maybe, just maybe, you had spent time preparing to do this thing, but when the time came, you got nervous or shy and you didn't step in and you didn't complete what you had practiced for or you had prepared for. There's lots of reasons, but... I think it reminds me most of this story when I was a kid. I remember I grew up playing soccer. I grew up in Oceanside. I grew up playing soccer. So I did two things. I played soccer and I surfed. And I played soccer in the city of Oceanside uh, on their travel team called the Breakers. Anyone in the house know what I'm talking about? Any, okay, Oceanside people. Okay, four of you. All right. <clears throat> we are in San Marcos, just to be fair. We are in the wilderness compared to Oceanside. And I, I never forget freshman year, I'm like, hey, I'm going to play, I, I'm going to take a stab and I'm going to play football. Now, if you know this region, you know Oceanside is a football town, okay? Um, and so I step in and I play freshman football. I show up, man, they give me, I was shocked. I had no experience, man. You know what they gave me? They gave me some pads to put on. They gave me the, the, the stretchy pants. They gave me the, the, they gave me a number. They gave me a helmet. They gave me everything I needed. They, they coached me. I showed up to practice. I was rolling around on the ground doing drills. I was hitting people. I was getting hit. It was amazing. And I remember standing at Torrey Pines High School and we're playing a football game. And, uh, and I, I played on the defense. And uh, I remember my coach, he's like, hey, hey, get in the game. It's go time. Let's go. And I remember standing on the sideline, and this is what I did. Uh-uh. This is the epic fail. Like, man, I remember so much. I, I, shame. I've had to ask the Lord to break me of shame of this moment. Like, he's like, he's like, Lynch, you know. Guys, can anyone relate to this? They, you know, they just, they just scream at you by your last name, Lynch. And I'm like, uh-huh. And they're like, get in the game. It's go time. And I was like, no, it's not. I'm not getting in the game. The coach looked at me like, you got to get off the sideline, dude. What are you doing? And I was like, I ain't getting in the game. <laughs> I'm not doing that. See, I had been given everything that I needed. I had been equipped to get in the game, but I failed to get off the sideline. I missed the entire purpose of showing up to practice. I missed the entire purpose of being given all of these things to show up in the game. And I think like my freshman football experience, we've all been given the go to get in the game by the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but some of us get stuck on the sideline for multiple reasons. The truth is God has given us everything we need through the baptism of the Holy Spirit to get off the sideline and go get in the game. To preach and tell about him everywhere. So today we're going to talk about and we're going to take a look at the purpose that the baptism of the Holy Spirit serves to equip us to get in the game and go. To go in power, to go in boldness, and to go together. Would you join me this morning in prayer?
Lord, I pray this morning that even in me, Lord, God, that you would remove any timidity, shyness, Lord, but you would, you would move this morning in power and boldness and you would draw us to a togetherness that we would understand that we're a people who were born to get in the game. We weren't born to sit on the sideline and if there's anything in us, Lord, that you need to do, God, that you would, as we make our hearts available today and our, and our hands and our lives available, I ask that there would be availability to say, Spirit of God, move, and Lord, we would respond as individuals, but also as a church, as a family. Lord, we thank you in Jesus' powerful name. Everyone said, Amen and amen and amen. Could you guys give Robert and the team a round of applause for just leading us this morning in worship? You know what's, you know what's awesome about our church? Uh, what's awesome about our church, just as a side note, is that, you know, we've got, we've got Michael and Camilla who are high school and junior high students in our midst. And what you see this morning is you see older generations pouring into younger generations because we're all actually equipped and we're all called to get in the game. I want you to catch this. That there's something powerful about us pouring into the young ones and releasing them into destinies and they're presently powerful to walk into those things. That's important. Today I want to talk about, uh, let, let's talk about going in power. That we got to get in the game and the Holy Spirit allows us to go in power. It says in Acts 4-7 that they brought in the two disciples and demanded, by what power and whose name have you done this? Who are they? It's the Sadducees. It's the religious leaders of the time that are questioning this guy Peter and this guy John. And this is what they're asking by what power and whose name have you done this? Who, 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 what power and whose name? Who gave you the right? <clears throat> who gave you the authority to heal a beggar who was crippled, who's been sitting there their entire... Who gave you the right to do this? This is what they're asking Peter and John. It says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of our people... He's very respectful, isn't he? Rulers and elders of our people... Uh, <laughs> He says, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? The core, the core question they're asking is by what power and in whose name? This word power is inherent power, power residing in a thing by virtue of its nature. By what power? Did you know that just by the virtue of its nature, the Holy Spirit is powerful? And it also means or which a person or a thing exerts or put forth. It's, <clears throat> it's the power of the Holy Spirit living in us, with us, and on us. This is the thing that gets exerted or put forth. It's not us. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and this idea of and whose name, this is what they're saying. Who gives you the authority? Who gave you the authority to pray for this man. Who gave you the authority? We could talk about power, but who gave you the authority to do this? Authority 
is, in this case, literally in the Greek means in the use of the name of Christ. This is what is being said. They recognized that these two men, Peter and John, had prayed for this crippled man to be healed in the name of who? Jesus, by the power of what? The Holy Spirit. Whose name? The power of his name being invoked for assistance. So this is what it's saying. Authority is carrying the badge of the kingdom. Power, power is possessing the kingdom resources to back up the badge. Catch this. Authority is my coaches, as wild as I think this is, with no football experience, Gave me, the, gave me the jersey, put a number on my back, gave me a helmet. Sent, he, they were ready to send me out there. What I lacked was an understanding that not only did they give me the authority to go onto the field, but I presently had the power to carry out what I was given authority for. Are you with me? In Matthew 28, 18, this is why Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority. What was all the authority given for? He was given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, because Jesus has been given authority, therefore, he says to them, go and make what? Disciples of how many nations? All nations. <laughs> Which nations? This is a tough one. If you turn on mainstream media, this is a tough one. God is still in the business of wanting to show up and make disciples of how many nations? All nations. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of who? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you and be sure of this. Now, this is something we need. We need the promise uh, and, the, and the faithfulness of him to carry out his promise. And be, be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. How is Jesus Christ with us even to the end of the age as we go in power? How is he with us? By the Holy Spirit. <laughs> okay. Jesus used his authority to give us the Holy Spirit for the power needed to go make what? Disciples. In Acts 1.8, just before, this is after Jesus died, just before Jesus, the history tells us he ascends to take his place at the right hand of the Father. And just before in chapter 2 where the 120 believers get in a room and they're waiting for the gift that Jesus said he's going to send so that they're able to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1, this is what he says to them to be clear. Just, just so we're clear. Just so they were clear. But you will receive what? Power. Jesus is saying to them, I've given you authority in my name. You have the authority. You've got the uniform. You got the number. You got the helmet. You got everything needed. Now, I want you, but you will receive power 
when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my what? Witnesses. <laughs> this is fun. Sometimes it's like, God, thank you. I received power by the Holy Spirit so that I could be by myself in my house and be a private detective, secret ninja Christian. My job is to my, my job is to is to judge the fruit of other Christians and, and post it online about how they're not they're, they're not being right with Christ and it's like but dude do you ever leave your house and step into the power of being a witness I might get in trouble and you will be my what why were you and I given power to be a witness. Why were you and I given power? Say this. To be a? Turn to somebody and say, can I get a witness? <laughs> we're going to be witnesses, though, telling people about me. This is Jesus speaking. Telling people about who? Jesus everywhere. Every single stitch. Telling People about Jesus everywhere. And then he goes, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. God, this is, I just park, I'm going to park for a second. I just want to say this really quickly. Did you know that right now we're the biggest conflict that's happening on our globe? Do you know where God is still asking us to bear witness by the power of the Holy Spirit? Jerusalem. Judea and Samaria, Judea and Samaria, just so you know, is what, is what a lot of people now call the West Bank. If you, talk, if you talk to Jews, Jews are like, no, that's Judea and Samaria. Non-Jews call it the West Bank. And at the center of that is what? Jerusalem. Catch this. God's not done. There's still witnessing that needs to take place. There's, there's still a power in the authority of Jesus' name that needs to move to all nations. Well, Pat, it's too far gone. <laughs> you know, people are marching in the streets. It's not too far gone. God is in the business. He is in the business of showing up with authority and power of his Holy Spirit and speaking to all nations. So Jesus' authority is the ability to stand. I had the ability to stand on the sideline. <laughs> I was standing there. All right, good play. Uh-huh. Get in the game. Nah, no way. <laughs> authority is the ability to stand. The Holy Spirit power is the ability to carry out what you're standing for. I'm going to say it to this side of the room. <laughs> the issue isn't our ability to stand. The issue, at, I think, at hand is us walking in the ability to carry out what we're standing for. <laughs> our church, I don't want us to just stand for something. People are like, well, what do you stand for? It doesn't matter what I stand for if I'm not actually walking and carrying out what I stand for. 
What do you stand for? Who cares? Evidence of what I stand for should be in the actions that I take and how I carry out what I stand for. Which is why we're, we're feeding people on a monthly basis, which is why we show up to elementary schools and middle schools, which is why we do what we do in our communities, which is why I want to pray for you before you leave here if you need the power of God to touch your life, which is why we show up and we preach and teach our kids, which is why we do what we do internationally. Why? Because we want to not just stand for something. We want to move and carry out what God has created us to stand for so many times in life you're like man I just feel unfulfilled like I'm like I'm like, man, I'm wearing that I'm wearing the outfit man I got the green uniform I was an oceanside pirate green uniform I got the you know I got the helmet I got the little mouth I got the mouthpiece but I just feel I feel unfulfilled and God's like because you got to get off the sideline and not just stand you got to carry out what you're standing for and if you don't get in the game, Pat, you're always going to feel unfulfilled. Man, I gave my life to Jesus. I just feel unfulfilled. Might I suggest to you the unfulfillment is because we're not getting in the game and we're stuck on the sidelines at times. This is what I know about our church. We love getting in the game. I want to encourage you. We love getting in the game. You, you give us a mark, you're like, this is the game. This is what we're getting in. Our church goes, okay, this is what we're doing. We're getting in the game. I love that. So who gives you the ability to stand? Jesus. Who gives the ability to carry out what, you, what you're standing for? The Holy Spirit. Number two, uh, we're given this baptism of the Holy Spirit so that we can go, we can get in the game and go in boldness. In Acts 4.13, same part of the story where Peter and John are getting questioned. It says, the members of the council, <laughs> these guys who are questioning Peter and John, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the what? The boldness of Peter and John. For they could see that, I love this, this makes me feel better because I could relate. They could see that Peter and John who were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures, you know? They, they, they were walking around with like, I'm a, I got a PhD in professional Christendom, and uh, you know, I've been saved for 60 years. Uh, I've been sitting on my couch writing books about it, haven't done a darn thing with it, but you know, I could tell you all about it. And, uh, am I poking a bear? Yeah. Die, bear, die. You know, prior to the Holy Spirit's baptism, Peter was the most afraid. He was the most hidden. This dude denied G. The dude didn't have a spine. Think about this. What changed the game for Peter? He's sitting there praying in an upper room and the Holy Spirit falls on him. That's what changed Peter. Man, this is what I know about you and I. We could just be ordinary people going to our job, owning our businesses, showing up, raising our kids. We can go about our day-to-day quote-unquote business and God wants to show up in power in your life so that you can begin to release the goodness and the power of his kingdom in your home, in your business, 
in your grocery store that you always see that person who's grumpy and you're like, what is wrong with him? He always rings me up and has such an attitude. Do you even want bags? <laughs> no, I don't want no bag, bro. I want you to meet Jesus. You just look like you need to meet Jesus today. Do I, do I, <laughs> I'm sorry. But am I, do I even have the boldness They saw boldness. This is what boldness means. Freedom in speaking, unreservedness in speech. <laughs> Some of us have no filter. You just have a personality trait that you have no filter. That is not, that is not the power of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you just don't have a filter, bro. <laughs> like you say the wildest things. <laughs> we, need to, we, we need to speak freely about Jesus. You know, the biggest thing that I, that I realized a year ago when I was laying in the middle of a street, basically killed in a road, great, great story. Here's the purpose of it. I have greater confidence today to know that Jesus Christ is in the business of saving and reviving things that you think are dead. And here's what I want to tell you. Whatever you think is dead and you think is impossible, God wants to revive this morning. And do you know, do you know, like somebody said to me, it, feel, it feels like something shifted and you pack. I'm like, yeah, after you almost die, you kind of get bold. Like, what do I have to lose? What are you going to do? Hit me with a car again? Can I just be real? I'm the dude who has no filter. Okay. And this is, I'm just telling you my journey where God is like, Pat, can you just be unreserved? Pat, you're unreserved about a lot of things that happen, but they're not necessarily positive. We always want to grumble and complain. Well, let me say, I always want to grumble and complain. I don't want to drag you into this. If you can relate, say amen. We always want to connect to the negative thing. And we want to talk about the negative thing. We want to talk about the latest scandal that's going on. Let me talk to you about the 20 things that God did and is still doing. Am I unreserved in my speech? Am I speaking freely to be able to tell you that what God did was he saved me 25 years ago when I gave my life to Jesus. But not only did he save me then, he saved me one year ago on October 29th. And he's in the business of saving me every day. And he's in the business of saving you every day. And he's in the business of having us walk activated by the baptism of the Holy Spirit to tell people that are dying that he's in the business of reviving and saving what they think is dead and gone. You think your marriage is broken and too far gone? God wants to revive it. You think your finances are too far gone? God wants to revive it. You think the city you leave in, you think they're crazy. You think the state that we live in is too far? You know, God wants to revive every single piece of who we are. I woke up this morning with a preach bug. Earlier in chapter two, Peter, he's like in this upper room, the Holy Spirit falls on him. He, he preaches the first sermon ever recorded in biblical history. And he goes, men and brethren, let me speak freely to you. <laughs> that word freely means boldly. It means to tell it all. To tell it all. I would only be telling you part of the story if I told you that I was in a tragic accident last year. 
I would be telling you part of the story, and I'll be honest with you, can I, and this is just my story, I gotta be honest with you, the part of the story of it being a, tra- a tragic accident is not the most important part of the story. The most important part of the story is that God saved me and what he's doing in my life still today. What is reviving in my life still today. That's the most important part of the story that I want to speak freely. I want to tell it all. I want to tell all the story of God's testimony. I want you to tell the entire story of God's testimony in your life this morning. Boldness. It's what you're activated in rather than something you can achieve. Boldness is not like, I just drank a ton of caffeine this morning and I'm just feeling like, ah. Boldness is not a caffeine high. It's a Holy Spirit high. By the way, it never runs dry. Okay? As Christians, we should never, like, like oh, I just, I just feel like I'm in a dry season. How? The overflowing life of the Holy Spirit lives in you. Now, I understand if you're in a transition moment and you're questioning some things, but like, no, nah, I ain't dry. <laughs> I'm, I'm saturated. I'm soaked. Someone dunked me in the tank. Like, this is, this is our story as followers of Jesus. <laughs> I love it. They were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. There are no special or extraordinary requirements to live fully activated in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, to get in the game and go. There's nothing special. Boldness is a gift that God gives us named the Holy Spirit. He's a person. Holy Spirit's a person, not a thing. And I love... A little bit later on, Peter says, And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness. And give us. He asked for boldness. <laughs> he asked for boldness to partner with God in preaching his word. Here's what didn't happen. This is going to be mind-blowing for some of you. Okay? Just but, like, click it. Boom. Depends if you're in the passenger seat or the driver's seat. Which side? Click. I'm always driving because I'm a control freak. <laughs> Click it or ticket. Okay? Get ready. Here's what they didn't do. They didn't ask for God to show up and defeat the threats for them. They said, God, would you give us boldness so that we can partner with in what you want to do to preach your word? So give us boldness so that we can get in the game. So that we can be sure that we're not stuck on the sidelines at the Gatorade tent. <laughs> Man, you don't need water. You haven't done anything. Your heart rate hasn't gone up. Like, why are you sipping on the Gatorade bottle, bro? getting oxygen on the sideline. You don't need oxygen either. <laughs> You've done no spiritual calisthenics in your life. <laughs> you haven't, your heart rate has not, has not gone up. 
You know, there's lots of things that God wants to redeem in your life. God wants to do in your life. But a lot of times what we do is we say, God, would you show up and defeat the enemy? And God's like, but the blessing is when you show up and you act in boldness and partner with me and you defeat the enemy with me. And let me tell you why. God wants you to see the victory for yourself. God wants you to know the victory. Yeah, I got in the game. I was scared, but I got in the game. I was scared, but I got off the side. I was scared, but I showed up. Am I just willing to show up? Little old me, am I just willing to show up? Are we willing to show up? Movement Church in San Marcos, right? Are we just willing to show up? Are we willing to just give what we have? Are we willing to just show up and get in the game? I believe we are. And who was it that asked for boldness? This is what I want. Who was it? Not just Peter and John. Who asked for boldness? All who? All 5,000. Just real quick. Boldness is not for me to ask for as the pastor of Movement Church. Boldness is for me to ask for, to pour out on you as you make yourself available and say you're willing to show up because you're part of the 5,000 all. There, there, there are games that God has you in that I'm not in. There are things you're, you're walking through in your daily life. There are neighbors that you have that I'll never know. There are coworkers. There are, there are employees. There are, there are things that you are going to experience that God has equipped you to get in that game. And so all of them experienced boldness to do what? To go preach the word of God, to tell it all. Why is boldness needed? Because we have a job to do to tell it all. And we're going to go together. Baptist of the Holy Spirit, when we get in the game and go, we go together. I, 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 th- this, is, this, is, this is my kryptonite right here. All 5,000 believers, this is in verse 32. This is after they all received the whole, all 5,000 believers. Peter prays, all 5,000 of them receive the Holy Spirit and begin all 5,000. Let me say that again. Begin preaching the word of God. Every single one of us walk out the door and we're preaching the word. We're telling it all. Okay? All 5,000 of the believers were what? United in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. So after 5,000 received the power to preach, it wasn't so they could sit at home and acquire more things, but it was for the activation for them to get together in one heart and mind and live in common unity. Common unity, community, for them to live in common unity. I love this. This is the same exact scripture, but in the New King James Version, I I like how it puts it. Now, the multitude of those, all 5,000 who believed, were of one heart and of one soul. One heart and one soul. This is what it means. In the Greek, this is what that means. It means to be united most closely in will or spirit. In will or spirit. This is what happened in the book of Acts chapter 2. 
when the 120 are in the upper room and the Holy Spirit falls on them and Peter preaches, and then all of these people that hear Peter preaching, the first sermon ever recorded in history, underneath the power of the Holy Spirit, he preaches it boldly. They all say, well, what should we do? And he says, repent. And the 120 went to 3,000. Okay? And then verse 42 to 47, th this is what it says. It says, and all the believers, how many believers now at this point? 3,120. Because there was 100, I say, I, I'm a nerd for math, okay? There was 120 in the upper room. 3,000 got saved. What's 3,000 plus 120? Quickly. 3,120. Okay, good. We're on the same page. All 3,120 of the believers, all of them devoted themselves to the apostles. Not this side of the room. Not some of you if you're wearing the right color shirt today. Not you if you said, well, I'm number one when I walked in the door. And I'm in group number two. It's all, all. Who is all? All. All of us are devoted. All of us are devoted to the house. All of us are devoted to the mission. All of us are devoted to seeing a thousand people give their lives to Jesus. Not some of us. All of us, all the believers were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper or communion, and to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over all of them. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together in the temple each day. Can you imagine showing up here and doing this every single day? Can you imagine for a second if Movement Church had somewhere that was open 24-7, 365 days a year, that the presence of God, the Holy Spirit was burning, and the city of San Marcos could show up at any time, and they could come in and say, I need prayer. My son was just stabbed. I need prayer. My husband just left me. I need prayer. I just got that diagnosis. Can you imagine 24-7 every day if we had somewhere where we could meet together in the temple? courts hmm. and they met in homes for the Lord's Supper and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people and each day the Lord added to the fellowship those who were being saved you fast forward within like a couple days and there's 5,000 saved here's my point in reading this this is important for us to know. Unity is not uniformity. Unity is not uniformity. When we read, there's two things here. When we read 42 to 47, a lot of people are like, that's what the church needs to do. And we put together structures and strategies. But let me tell you what, let me tell you what gave the apostles and the 3,000 believers the ability to be devoted and do this. What was it? The Holy Spirit. Guys, we can build whatever structure we want. And the Bible says if we build it and we don't build it in the name of Jesus, if he doesn't build it, it's built in vain. So you know what? Like, I get it. Verse 42 to 47, this is the goal. This is what we begin to look like as we go together, that we have a devotion that says, you know what? What's it going to take, Pastor Pat? What's it going to take for us to go to that nation? What's it going to take for us to reach the city? What's it going to take for us to raise up these young ones who are sitting in classes right now, learning the same thing that you and I are learning, by the way? What's it going to take? We're devoted. It's not a strategy. It's the Holy Spirit. 
And it's not that everybody stops dressing the way that they wanted to dress or they, they stopped driving the car that they chose to drive or they lived in the right. It's not uniformity. It's not all the language change and everyone saying the exact same thing. Oh, yes, we're robots. Okay, uh, we're Christian robots. That's uniformity. God says he wants to create unity. You know why? Because there is something about you that I don't care. You look a different color than me. You carry a different gift than me. You live in a different city than me. You have influence that I don't have. God knows we need the diversity and unity doesn't mean strip us of diversity. 1 Corinthians 12, 12. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free, but we all have been baptized into one body by one spirit. And we all share the same spirit. I love the fact that, you know, we, we, we get opportunities to do things with Jesus La Roca, which is the Spanish-speaking church that utilizes our facility. Why? Praise God. You know, you know God is for people of Mexico? You know God is for the culture? God, God is for the people of Asia. God is for the people in Arab nations, in the Middle East. God is for these people. And man, I just know this, we're all baptized in one spirit for one purpose. We all have different backgrounds but we share the same baptism uniting us for the same mission. It's the same mission. In Philippians 1.27, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come and see you again or I only hear about you, I... I will know that you are standing together. Can I just tell you, only the Holy Spirit can give us, look at, just take a sec, can you just look around the room? Look at the people behind you, in front of This is a very colorful crew. I love it. Socioeconomic diversity, generational diversity, ethnic diversity. Here, here, here's proof of the power of the Holy Spirit as we get in the game and go. Here's proof that we can stand together. That you and I, different upbringings, different, different parenting techniques, different experiences, we can stand together. Paul says, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and with one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Holy Spirit joins us as one, with one purpose, in a fierce togetherness. When we say here at Movement Church, Jesus is at the center. People are our aim. People are our aim. There are people outside of the four walls of this church that God is aiming us to get in the game and go get. People are our aim. <laughs> okay? Jesus at the center, people are aim, and passion is our approach. That word passion is fierce togetherness that is only possible by the power of the Holy Spirit.
This is what Jesus says. As I wrap up, it says John 17, 20. I am praying not only for these disciples, the ones that he was walking with. He says, I, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. Did you know that if you're sitting here today and you've said yes to a relationship with Jesus, that you were one of the all who were believing because of their message? So we're all included in what I'm about to say. If you've said yes to Jesus. Jesus says, I pray that they will be, all be one. He prays that we would all be one. No separate agendas, one mission, one agenda. Bring the power of Jesus' name to a broken world. To see what seems impossible made possible. To see revival happen. And he says, Jesus is just as you, he's speaking to the Father, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. May they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. We have an opportunity to be in relationship with the Father and with Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus goes on, he says, I have given them the glory you gave me, the Holy Spirit. So they may be one as we are one, and I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know, that, that San Marcos will know. Come on. That Escondido will know. That Vista will know. That Carlsbad will know. The Rancho Bernardo, the 15 Corridor will know. That Temecula, that Bonzel, that Fallberg, God, that Oceanside will know. God, that there would be a spark of wildfire that would begin to burn right now, Jesus. Let it be out of control in our human minds, but in full control of what you want to do. Lord, this is our prayer here. God, the world needs to know. Jesus says that you sent me and that you love them as much as that you love me. There's power in the numbers of together. You're not alone. It's time. It's time, family. Not for any human agenda. It's time to walk in the full activation, the baptism of the Holy Spirit to get in the game and to go. It, 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 is, it is time. There is no greater time in my life. There is no moment greater than right now in the entirety of my 50 years of existence that I can think of than right now for us as a family, as a church, to go in power, gold, and boldness and go together. This is what I'm asking of you this morning. Jesus has given you the authority to stand. So this morning, if you're willing to stand in the authority of Jesus, but not just stand, that we would be willing to carry out what we're standing for. It is not good enough. It is not good enough. 
to show up to practice. Sunday mornings. And not get in the game. There are people dying that desperately need, they desperately need. They're waiting for you to partner with the power that God wants to bring. Now let me ask you if you're willing to stand in the authority of Jesus' name but carry out what you've been given the authority to carry and to stand in. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to have our minister team make themselves available. And here's what I want to tell you this morning. This is what I love about church. Church is kind of like the practice field. You guys can, you can come in, you, 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 you can bring friends. You can, you can actually bring friends to this, this practice field, to this time where we get into this kind of huddle and we talk about things and we share things and we encourage one another and we get, here's the deal, we get prayer for things that the enemy is preaching to us right now that are dead or broken in our lives. And, and, and I just, the word that I have really for today is that God wants to revive the things in you that you think are dead. But not just in you, but he wants to revive things through you. So this morning, if you need personal prayer, this is the place, come if you need prayer this morning, if you're, de- if you're feeling the weight, this is the go moment for you, okay? God wants you to know how much he loves you. God wants you to know how much he wants to restore whatever it is that you're dealing with. And so we're here and we're, we're, we're willing to pray with you and come alongside you and see God move. But the other part of this is, You know, even tonight when we show up in Oceanside, we're not showing up to sing songs. You know, the most, one of the most powerful things happening every single year that we show up, there's close to 50 churches represented that are showing up at that Oceanside Amphitheater. And this is what's happening in the region, so you know. Every single time we show up and we start releasing and we start telling it all, Oceanside is saying that crime rates drop. People, while worship is happening, people are getting prayed for and getting delivered from demonic activity. They're getting delivered from addiction. That people within the city are left going, I can't understand what's happening. And they're, and they're falling on their face and they're giving their life to Jesus. And I want you to know something. I love Oceanside, but this is not something that God just has for Oceanside. This is the example of what happens when we're willing to show up and get in the game. But I'm a, we're not just singing songs, folks. 
We're not just playing instruments. We're showing up. We're getting off the sidelines. We're getting in the game because we know that what we carry brings freedom and transformation. It's the only hope of the world. So I'm gonna pray right now and I'm gonna ask the Lord to burden out. I'm gonna ask the Lord to burden our hearts for the brokenhearted. And I feel like what's gonna happen is, is that you're gonna, you're gonna lose the ability to see someone who is broken and walk past them and not stop and say, I have something. It could be a hug, it could be a handshake. It could be an encouraging word, but you have something life-giving, but this burden is gonna stop us in our tracks. This baptism is gonna stop us from allowing ourselves to walk past broken situations and not cry out to a living God that he revives circumstances and situations, not only in our lives, but in the lives of things going on around us. Amen. I want you to know that because I'm gonna ask you if you're willing for God to break your heart for what breaks his. This is, this is a powerful word right now. If you are willing, this, this, is, this is where I'm at. This is my prayer for our church, just so you know. God, break our hearts for what breaks yours. If you're willing as an individual to say, God, break my heart for what breaks yours, I'm gonna ask you to open your hands. But I wanted you to understand what it is that you're saying yes to. God, completely arrest and break our hearts as individuals that are gonna get in the game and go in power and boldness. But more importantly, we're not alone. We're gonna do this together. Break our hearts for what is breaking yours. Let us see what it is that you see. Let us hear what it is that you hear. But God, break our hearts for what is breaking yours. That we would see I'm gonna boldly ask for this, God, that we would see a revival that we have never experienced in our personal lives, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our cities. It starts with a breaking. God, break my heart for your people. Break my heart for what breaks yours. You've equipped us. You've given us everything we need. We can be ordinary people. You've given us what we need to get off the sideline, to get in the game and go. This is our mission. In the name and the authority of Jesus' name and in the power of the Holy Spirit, would you break our hearts for what break yours? Amen and amen.